0: We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Sam Monk, recorded at Equipus Church in Eden. For more information, please visit equipuschurch.com. The good-looking people came to church this morning, is that right? Who's standing next to somebody good-looking? Just lift up your hand. If the person next to you didn't lift up their hand, say, get your hand up. Get your hand up. You don't know how good-looking... I am. Man, I'm excited about today. All our Sunday. All our Sunday. you got to put up with me for the whole day. And uh, I love the fact that wherever we are, we occupy spaces. You know, the Bible says wherever two or three are gathered together, He's there in the midst. He's here. He's present. He wants to do great things. Church is not a building. You know, today many people think church, that's a building. You know, church, steeple. Problem is with these high steeples, there's not many peoples. But you go like that, we're a church, and I really believe church should be the greatest party on the face of the earth. How many believe that? Come on, we serve a living God. Church shouldn't be something that's endured, it should be something that's enjoyed. And I love as a movement of churches with just simply a whole lot of friends, since you never say, I'm your friend, I'm your friend. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We're not just friends, but we're family. Just a whole lot of friends challenging one another to go higher in God, to do something crazy for God. After all, He He died for us so that we can live for Him. And I just want you to throw a hand in the air right now. Holy Spirit, we thank You in this place. And I pray, Lord, that Your Word would live in the hearts and lives of Your people today. Lord, I pray You would encourage people in this place. Lord, even where this year has been a hard year, Lord, Your promises that the hard pathways would drip with abundance. Lord, we pray that Your crown this year, finish this year off with Your favour. Lord, we're asking today for a double portion. A double portion of Your Spirit. A double portion of Your anointing. Lord, in fact, Lord, I really believe You're wanting to push the accelerator in our life. And You're wanting to accelerate Your purpose and Your promise. we thank You for this church here. We thank You for everything that You've accomplished over the last 75 years, the people that have been impacted, the lives that have changed. But we thank You. It's just the the foundation for what You're wanting to release and what You're wanting to do in the days to come. In Jesus' name. Come on, how many believe that this morning? Can we give God a big clap of praise? Amen, amen, amen. I love it. I like what the Bible says, the latter shall be greater than the former. Another way of saying that is the best is yet to come. Just turn to three or four people and say the best is yet to come. Well, you may take a seat. As I said, great to be here in Dunedin. For those who don't know, I'm from Auckland. Everybody stretch out your hand, because right now our rugby team needs a lot of prayer. (laughs) And uh, would you join with me in faith, believing that God could do a miracle? And uh, well, already we didn't get relegated. Thank you, Jesus. Well, if you got your Bible this morning, let's go to Joshua. Let's go to Joshua chapter 14, Joshua 14. And uh, I want to speak about Caleb, because I really believe we're living in a day where we need to have The spirit of Caleb in us. Uh, It was said of Caleb in the Bible that he had a a different spirit. See, I, I believe we're not called to just, you know, go with the flow. We're called to stand out as believers, knowing that God's got a purpose and a promise for all of our lives. We're not here just to exist, you know, suck up oxygen. You know, we're here to make a difference. How many believe they're called to make a difference? And uh, at the end of my life, I want to know that I've fulfilled God's purpose and God's assignment uh, for my life. And so uh, we're going to look at Joshua this morning, and we're going to be reading from verse 7. This is Joshua. He says, I was 40 years old. How many here over the age of 40? Uh, lift up your hand. How many under the age of 40? Lift up your hand. Over the age of 40, lift up your hand if you need somebody to help you. Uh, Uh, One thing I love about this church is a church full of all generations, and if we're going to change the world, we need all the generations working together. People sometimes come to churches like ours and go, man, there's a whole lot of young people here, and believe it or not, it's not a compliment. In fact, uh, what they're saying is there's nobody like me, but if you look around this room, I'm glad that we've got those over 40, of which I am one, 43 years of age this year, Got a salt and pepper bed going on. You know, it's all happening there. But I I love the fact that we've got the older, the younger, and working together, we can see a city change and a nation one to Jesus. Uh, So many people just think, oh, well, there's just so many young people. And it's almost like an excuse to say, well, I don't fit in here and uh, look on from the outside of what's going on, going in. But I love what it says in the Bible. It says, in the last days, God will pour out His Spirit on all flesh. It, It talks about that old men will dream dreams and young men will see visions. You know, when the old men stop dreaming dreams, the young men stop, stop seeing visions. And we need a generation or older to keep dreaming. Come on, if you're over the age of 40, I want to say, keep dreaming. If you're over the age of 60, keep dreaming. We need you to keep dreaming in Jesus' name so a younger generation can see visions. And can fulfill their creational mandate. You know, here he says, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. I really believe we're living in a time where we need to spy out everything that God has for us. It's not I spy with my little eye. uh, Some of us are still playing that game. You know, we're on our journey, and we're looking around, and so I spy with my little eye. I believe as a church, we need to spy with our faith eye. We need to look at the impossible and say, God, that's what we're called to do. We're called to change our world. Come on, if you believe that, say amen. As so I spied out the land, and I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. In other words, his heart determined what he saw. One person once said, we don't see with our eyes, we see through our eyes, from our heart. In fact, Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I want to say, the purity of your motives will determine the clarity of your vision. Many people today can't see their future in God because their hearts are filled with wrong stuff. But if you allow God to purify your heart, your vision would become a lot clearer. And here, Caleb said, I brought back word as it was in my heart. He had a good report to bring back. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. They didn't have a good report. But Caleb said, But I wholly followed the Lord. In other words, I went all out, I wasn't half hearted in my Christianity. See, I believe the half hearted become the faint hearted. The half hearted faint when it comes time to step up to the platform, to to live the lives that God's called them to. So, Moses, anyway, go on. I could preach off every verse. This is dangerous. Verse 9 it says, So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. I really believe everywhere we place our foot, we're in a new space. God wants to give us that space. How many know you can't fulfill God's promise by just sitting on the couch? You've actually got to go for a walk and put your foot in those different spaces. And I really believe God is opening up spheres of influence in society where God's going God's to gonna open doors for the kingdom of God to come into those environments. Where my foot is trodden your inheritance and your children's forever because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, everyone say Now. Now behold, the Lord has kept me alive. As he said, these 45 years. So how old is he? 40 plus 45 equals? He's 85 years old. Ever since the Lord spoke to me this word, Moses, to Moses, while Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now here I am this day, 85 years old. Yet I'm as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then... So my strength for war, both for going out and coming in. Now, therefore, give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard it in that day, how the Anakim were there, the giants, they were there, and the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me, and I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said." And Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephna, as an inheritance. Well, the title of my message this morning is, Anakim is on the menu. Anakim is on the menu. The other giants that occupied the promise that God had given to the children of Israel. They were called Anakim. And I love Caleb. Because God promised this land to him, but he just didn't stand on the edge of his promise. He entered into his promise. How many know just because God has promised something to you doesn't mean you're gonna possess it. Just because you've had a prophetic word over your life, just because God's revealed something through Scripture, just because you've heard somebody speak something and it's resonated in your heart, doesn't mean you're gonna occupy that space. I love Caleb because he knew what it was to possess his promise. See, I really believe this church here in Dunedin is not just going to stand on the edge of what God's prophesied, what's been spoken, but we're going to possess our promise in Jesus' name. It took Caleb a wee while. In fact, God promised it to him, but 45 years later, after all the naysayers had died off, He was now living in the the land that God had declared to him. And he said, I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses promised it. How many know he was strong at 40? But he was just as strong when he was 85. Physical strength does diminish with age. Let's get real here. My mind is willing. In a lot of places, I was having a game of indoor cricket the other day and I was going for a run and as I was going, oh, something gave out, my knee gave out. It's what you call old man syndrome where your mind's willy but your body can't keep up to it. And let's face it, as you get older, normally your physical strength diminishes. But it's different in the spirit. See, in the spirit, your strength doesn't diminish but It increases. I love what Psalm 84 says. It says, blessed are those who dwell in your house. How how many want to live a blessed life? Oh, three people will be blessed. Come on, how many want to live a blessed life? Come on, blessed are those who dwell in your house. Not just attend your house, but dwell in your house. The psalmist goes on, blessed are they, for they shall still be praising you. Uh, Where will you be in 10 years' time? What will you be doing in 10 years' time? Some of you are freaking out at that. Come on, just go to your age and add 10 years. That's a scary thought. But I pray in 10 years' time, we'll still be praising God. Because that's what happens when people dwell in the house of God. They're not up and down. They're not, you know, high and low. They're still praising God. It says, blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on a pilgrimage as they pass through the valley of Becca or the valley of weeping. How many know life brings challenges with it? The person who told you give your heart to Jesus and all your problems will go away is a liar. You know, we still face problems. In fact, the psalmist says the righteous will never fear bad news. That doesn't mean bad news isn't gonna come. What it means is we don't need to fear it. And when you go through the Valley of Baca, don't camp there. Don't pitch a, pitch a tent there. You know, don't stay there. When you go through the Valley of Baca, you can make it a spring. And since they make it a spring, the rain also covers it with pools and they go from strength to, come on, they go from. Come on, from strength to strength. Not strength to weakness. Not strength to cynicism. Not strength where I once was involved, but now I've become a spectator. Yeah, not once where I I used to use that muscle. How many know? If you don't use a muscle, you don't use it, you lose it. Atrophy sets in. I was in hospital for 42 days on a bed. You know, I got skinny legs, but my legs became even skinnier. They became so skinny I couldn't even stand up on them. You know, because I wasn't using the muscle, I was losing the muscle. And it's the same in the spirit. When you don't use your spiritual muscle, you are in danger of losing it. You know, that's why it's so important as believers, we are active. And I love Caleb, because for 45 years, while other people were being negative, without saying it couldn't be done, he held on to his faith. I'm sure at this point he he would want to say to all the others, see, I told you it could happen. I'm living in this place of promise. But the question I want to answer this morning is, where did Caleb's strength come from? Where did his strength come from? I've got five things, just quickly, five things where Caleb's strength came from. Because I really believe as a church, God wants to take you from strength to strength. Come on, strength to strength. God wants to build on top of what's been established in this place. Today's floor, uh, today's ceiling is tomorrow's floor. It's a launching pad into the future. And I believe that's what All Out Sunday is about. We're here to see a nation saved. We're here to see, you know, the world come to Jesus. In fact, I was just talking to one of our young people and I said, oh, what are you up to today? And he goes, oh, just changing the world. Come on, that's what we're called to. Turn to your neighbor say, so you're called to change the world. Number one, where did Caleb's strength come from? Number one, it came from opposition. It came from giants. In fact, if we look across in Numbers, Numbers 14, verse 9, here's Caleb again, he says, Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, the giants, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. He's with us. God's with us. Do not fear them. Now, as as we know, the giants were called Anakim. Not Anakin, Skywalker, but Anakim. They were called Anakim. But Caleb called them bread. Now, if you unpack that word bread in the Hebrew, it actually means doorway to learn from the Holy Spirit. Whenever you come up against a giant, a problem is simply a doorway to learn through the Holy Spirit. You know, so often we're telling God how big our problems are. Oh, I got this problem. I got this need. But instead of telling God how big your problems are, why not tell your problems how big God is? Because He is with you. He is with you. And what you got to understand is, is Anakim is a stable diet, is part of the stable diet of a believer. As believers, we're called to eat bread. We're called to eat Anakim. That's what we're called. In fact, we should be eating Anakim for breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day. When was the last time? The question I want to ask is, when was the last time you tasted giant? Because some of us right now, our dreams are too small. Because every giant we see, we walk away from in fear. But God has called us to eat giants. Come on, some of us right now, we need to upsize our meal. We're thinking too small. You know, we're getting a happy meal, just something that will bring us comfort. But come on, we need to get a mega feast. Because it's it's not just about what's going to satisfy our hunger. Come on, we're called to, to feed a city. We're called to change a nation. I love what God's doing through equipers right now around the world. We're taking on some big things. I don't know if you know, but from New Zealand, we've planted a church in Rome. In Italy, we've got churches already in Zurich and Berlin, and, and we've got even Vincent here from Germany today, but give him a big hand and his wife, Esther. They're going back to take over a church in Germany. In fact, in Germany, we've got five, six churches already linking with us, and, and we started this church in Rome. We haven't officially launched yet, but already we're getting over 250 people. Since last September, we've seen over 100 people give their hearts to Jesus. Come on, give God a big clap of praise for that. Yeah, right now, it's the largest Protestant church in Rome. And we haven't even launched. And, and already there's plans to plant in Florence. How many feel like a missions trip coming on? Uh, and Naples, come. On. We're, we're looking to plan in Calcutta. We've got Calcutta, the Central Coast. You know, God's doing something right now. And in fact, we've got plans to go into Brazil. You know, just after Shout this year, how many were at Shout Conference this year? After Shout this year, i, I booked to go speak at a conference in, in Brazil and, and I was real tired after running shouts, and I was thinking, oh man, do I really wanna go to this thing? I'd been invited the year before, but I said I couldn't come because my schedule was full. Anyway, I said I'll come this time. I jumped on the plane and, you know, I was on an airline, I had no status, so I was at the back of the plane in the middle row of the middle section. It was a 12 hour flight to Santiago and my screen didn't work. First world problems, I know. But I was sitting there and I was thinking, what the heck am I doing? I could be home and, you know, anyway, I was in the middle of this plane and then got to Santiago and we had to fly four hours to Sao Paulo. And as we're flying four hours there, I looked down on the map and there was a place I was supposed to be going to. I was flying over it. I wanted to jump out of that plane right there. Flew another four hours to Sao Paulo, then had to fly back two hours. Arrived at one o'clock in the morning. And we went out, had a meal at one o'clock in the morning. That's what Brazilians do, I'm told. We had a meal. And I said to the guy, what, how did you end up inviting me? What led you to invite me here? And the guy said, well, nine years ago I was in your church. And I just sat there for four months and observed everything that you did. All that you're doing there, you guys are amazing. And we came back here and we just did it in Brazil. And now we've got a young adult ministry of 400. And so I thought I'd invite you over because we sort of hit a ceiling and we want to go to a new level. And then he says to me, he goes, oh, but really in our heart, we want to establish a church. In Brazil, we want to plant a church. And so are we able to come down to New Zealand for a year, learn, and so that we can plant a equipage church in Brazil? How many know good strategy doesn't bring that about? Come on, it's a work of, the, a work of God. But it, it, it's, it, that comes to people who choose to believe, who choose to believe that God can do the impossible. I often say, we don't wanna do hard because I can do hard in my own strength. Too many people are just, oh, it's hard. Life's hard, it's hard. I don't wanna do hard. We're not called to do hard. We're called to do the impossible. And come on, as a church, let's believe that we can do the impossible. See, any giant right now in front of you is just bread. You know, how many are told growing up, come on, eat your vegetables. Eat your spinach. You know, if you eat your spinach, you'll be like Popeye. How many heard that growing up? Come on, you want, want to be like Popeye. Popeye's got guns. He's a Popeye, the sailor man. You know, I believe God's saying, come on, eat your Anakim. It will strengthen you. See, Caleb said, these giants aren't gonna be a means of your defeat, but a source of your growth. The door of opportunity always swings on the hinge of opposition. If you're wanting to do anything great, you're gonna face opposition. You're gonna have some giants to defeat. See, strength does not come from what you can do. It comes from overcoming the things you thought you couldn't do. I've got a sister. In fact, I'm part of four children. We're born in four years. I've got a sister and two brothers. And there's always a lot of competition in our household. We challenge one another to do crazy things. While we're young, we learned how to do backwards flips on trampolines. And and recently, my sister was over from Sydney. And uh, I said to her, she's now 45 years of age. I said to her, why don't you do a backwards flip on the trampoline? She said, I haven't done it for years. I said, you can do it. I felt like the guy off Waterboy, you can do it. And anyway, she go, No, I can't. I've had four children. I said, No, it's easy. Yeah, we'll just come back to you. Give it a go. And so she jumped on the trampoline, you know, with a bit of encouragement. And she bounced in, ah, No, I can't do it. I can't do it. And, uh, and it was taking ages. I said, You can do it. I really believed in her. So what I did, we got a trampoline with a net around it. I zipped it up and I locked it so she couldn't get out. What I did is I, I got the hose and I said, if you don't do it this time, I'm going to squirt you. How many know there's nothing like a little bit of opposition to draw out your potential? That next bounce, she did that backwards flip. And do you know what she did? She ran into the house and she was showing off to all her kids, but your mom could do a backwards flip. You know, But really it was opposition that drew out the potential. See, you don't know what's in you. What you're facing right now could draw out what God has placed in you. Maybe there's more in you than you realise. Come on, don't choke. Come on, there's too many chokers around. We need some clutch Christians who step up to the plate. You know, who take the game by the scruff of the net and say, I'm not gonna fall over. I'm not gonna give in to temptation. I'm not gonna let this giant defeat me. This giant isn't a means of my defeat, but it's a source of my growth. Strength comes from the struggle. You know, a baby chick, if you help it out of an egg, you'll destroy its potential to fly. The hatching process, just that struggle to get out actually gives the wings, the strength it needs to fight. Some of you are wanting somebody else to help you out, but that struggle. Maybe God's designed it to build strength into your life. Come I wanna say, as a parent, don't be a helicopter parent. Some battles, your children have gotta fight for themselves. And if they don't fight it, they won't have strength. See, what you gotta understand is the strength to fight is the strength you need to occupy. The strength to fight, to defeat the giant, is the strength you need to occupy. See, what I've found is many people wanna live in houses and neighborhoods that they couldn't afford to maintain. I was going through the property press recently and I looked at a home, I go, man, that's amazing. That's a killer home. I like to live there. That would be awesome. But then I read down a little bit and I saw the rates built. It was like $40,000. I'm going, it's one thing to move into the house, it's another thing to be able to stay in the house. Pay the power bill, pay the water, pay the electricity. See, many people want to live in neighborhoods that they couldn't afford to maintain. Yeah, it's one thing getting selected for the all blacks. You know, how many would be happy if Steve Hansen rang you up right now and said, hey, you're on this Saturday? You're on it's one thing to get selected, it's another thing to be able to play the game. How many know if you got selected in your current state, me too, you'd be blowing after five minutes? <laughs> How would that look on national TV? <laughs> you know, it's one thing God wants to select you, but He doesn't want you to make a fool out of yourself on the field. Because you don't have the capacity to be able to play the game. See, many people want to get selected, but they haven't got the internal strength to be able to occupy the place that God has for them. Come on, you're born for something that lives on the other side of opposition. God's promise lives on the other side of opposition. And you need the strength to be able to say hello from the other side. Uh, come on, all you Adele fans. Uh, 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 but you need to be able to say hello from the other side. Okay, number two, where did his strength come from? He knew his mountain. He knew his mountain. He knew what he wanted and what he was after. What did he want? He wanted Hebron. That was his mountain. Now, Hebron, If you you, you got to understand this, is a place of association and alliance. It's a place of fellowship. That's what it means, where there's an inner unity that's expressed outwardly. The Greek word is koinonia. That, that's the same, and it, it describes a church where there's a togetherness. It's a place of association and alliance, you know, about doing life together, not just being together, but being together together. Yeah, you know, I, I want to say right now, don't get caught up in battles. You have no di- business fighting. Because one thing I've found is the enemy is always out to divide. He's out to sow discord. He's to divide people, divide marriages. In fact, you know, people come with marriage problems and others will ask, well, what side are you on? I'm going, neither. I'm just on the side of marriage. I'm on the side of reconciliation. But all the time, the enemy's wanting people to divide people. What side you on? You know, elections, political spirits get in. You know, what side? And it's amazing. You know, people can have differing political views, which is all good, but it's almost like, man, it's the hate, the venom. If you have a differing political view, I'm unfriending you. <laughs> you know, it's just like, what's that division about? It causes separation. And the enemy's out there to divide people, divide generations. You know, oh, yeah, yeah, ah. Uh. How many know a lot of arguments are just a waste of time? And in fact, they're a distraction. They don't bring change. They don't bring healing. In fact, they just aggravate wounds. And we've got to be wary of, of the spirits that get in. You know, The leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod, Jesus spoke about them. Two spirits that are at work in today's world. It's a political spirit and a religious spirit. See, the enemy doesn't mind what side of the conflict you're on as long as you react. As long as you react. See, you react in a way sometimes that's just as wrong as the issue you're addressing. How many have done that before? It's like somebody did something wrong and you got mad and next minute you're saying stuff that you didn't mean. In fact, I often say to my, my, my daughters when they have a conflict, I, I, you know, as siblings do, they sometimes say not nice things to the other sibling. And uh, sometimes they're hurtful and painful. And I I say say to my daughters, I say, hey, if your sister says something nasty, it's because they don't feel good about themselves. It's nothing to do with you. Ignore it. uh, In fact, a reaction to an error creates a bigger error. And as believers, we're not called to live in reaction. You know, we actually just dig a bigger hole. And so many of us live in reaction to what's going on. And I say, yeah, don't listen. Don't, don't listen to that. Don't, don't react to it. You're just feeding that spirit. Yeah, you're feeding what's, what's going on there. And my daughter's got hold of this. And so when my oldest was at Intermediate, a boy said something nasty to her. It really, really hurt her so much so that she wanted to cry. But she thought about it and she said, Thomas, you're only saying that because you don't like yourself. <laughs> Boom. And <In> there too. <laughs> you know, that, that's he took a couple of steps backwards and he said, you know what? You're right. My parents have just split up. My dad's trying to take all my mum's money. And I've been to the doctors recently and just, it, it just got, I'm on the danger of getting diabetes. To that. My daughter says, uh, "Can I pray for you?" To which she said, "No, but that's all good <laughs> But some of us are reacting. And we're going to realize the enemy thrives on division. Yeah. Yeah. You know The enemy's always trying to create division, trying to isolate, demonize. It's a mob mentality. You know Today, it's like if it's popular, it's true. Do you know, you'll, you'll die in the wilderness if you have that mentality. Because what was popular was that we can't do it. That was the popular. 10 out of the 12 spies had a negative report. That was the most popular view. You know, we live in a politically correct world today. That if it's popular, it's true. Political correctness is proof that stupidity is contagious. It's just proof it's just like, oh, it must be true. Everyone's saying. Now, Caleb had a different spirit. He was two out of 10, but he took his promise. You know, we're gonna see. You know, if we're in a battle, we're gonna make sure it's a kingdom battle. The enemy wants to rattle you. He wants to get you engaged in sin. Now, sin, no matter what sin it is, is an act against design. You weren't designed to work that way. And it will do damage to your life. See, see what you've got to understand is your identity is attached to your purpose. I'm going to finish with this. I'm not even going to get through the, the remainder of this. But your identity is attached to your purpose. Now, how, how many growing up got the wooden spoon? You didn't use the wooden spoon, but you got the wooden spoon. You know, you got it. And you got it good. Now, now the wooden spoon and its original design— it was designed to stir things, yeah, to stir. But the whole reason it's wooden is so that there wouldn't be a transference of heat when you put it against the pot. That, that wouldn't, you wouldn't burn your hand. Well, ouch, like that. But how many know the wooden spoon has got identity issues? Because it went from being an instrument that wouldn't transfer heat to transferring a whole lot of heat in different places because it was confused about who it is. See, when you don't know who you are in God, you won't know what your purpose is. And what sin does is 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 it causes us to see things through a distorted image. That's why I go back again is the purity of your motives will determine the clarity of your vision. Uh, That's why we need a savior. That's why we need to come to Jesus because we can't get rid of our sin by ourselves. Uh, We need to come to Jesus and say, Jesus, I need you. You're the only one who can make my sins as white as snow. See, We've got to see that we've got this mountain. It's association and alliance, it's connection. Connection with one another, but connection with God. Can I just give you number three? Number three, he put his heart into it. Six times, it said, Caleb, holy, follow the Lord. If small things begin to bother you, it shows your heart's begun to shrink. Number four, I'll give you the more, because I, actually I need to, I've got something else I want to do tonight. It's a good message, you want to come out. Number four, he never let God's promise die in his heart. It was a promise that kept him alive. It was a promise that kept him strong. I've got a 93-year-old grandfather, and he's dreaming. He already drives a motorhome. In 93, drove his wife, who's 90. They just celebrated their 70th year wedding anniversary recently. Drove up, moved house, moved to Auckland. And he's dreaming about getting a bigger motorhome. Which is just crazy at the age of 93. I'm going, man. He goes, he says to me, Sam, the drivers have changed on the road. They're not as courteous as they used to be. You know, they toot a whole lot more. I'm thinking it's maybe not the drivers. (laughs) But I love the fact that he's still dreaming. In fact, at Christmas, he just had a fall and he got 36 stitches in his head. And he's sitting across the table looking at me with black eyes. From the fall he had had, and he was saying, Sam, I just don't feel like I've achieved my life purpose yet. I still believe there's something in me left to do. I want to make my mark on the world. I just need to know what that mark is. You know, that dream at 93 is just keeping them alive. He's just dreaming, dreaming. I love that. A person with a dream in their heart, they don't just fade away. Come on, they got mission, they got purpose, they got a direction. In fact, my grandparent my grandmother on the other side she passed away at 97 and uh and she was she was a character she was my my father's mum, and uh some of my father's characteristics come from her and uh if you know my father <laughs> and uh anyway my wife Kathy and and dad were there near the end but about a year before uh, the family got the message hey we think grandma's about to pass away so so everybody came in and, and visited her. And the more visitors she had, the more alive she became. Uh, you know, they're saying it could be, you know, a couple of weeks. But she survived a whole nother year. It's almost like the visitors, more visitors. And we've got to say, hey, we've got to stop visiting no. her. <laughs> no, not at all. Anyway, but, but she stayed stay alive and then, you know, near the end this time a year later came around and Kathy and, and, and my father were there and she, she was near the end and, and she closed her eyes and my father said oh she's gone they prayed and walked out of the room and uh, then Kathy and my father came back in the room and they go Sybil you're still here and there she was with her eyes open and awake we thought you were gone It was a little bit of a surreal moment. It was like, oh. But it's like, you know, in life, when you don't have this vision, you know, a dream in your heart, things just begin to die in your heart. You know, you can be alive physically, but dead spiritually. You can even have the assurance of eternity but still not understand and not fulfill what you've been put on this planet for. Some people say, well, God, I just need a sign. Well, here's a sign. You're not dead. Come on, if you've got breath in your lungs, God's got a purpose for your life. And the way that you know that purpose is by staying close to Him. Staying connected with Him. So you can look for other things in life to satisfy you, but ultimately, God is the only one who can satisfy the longing of your heart. Come on, don't be a Christian who dies in the wilderness. Let's be people, come on, equip this church to need him. Let's be people who fulfill our destiny in Jesus' name. Come on, I believe God has great things. But my prayer is for this church, every person in this room, that you'd carry the spirit of Caleb, a different spirit, a different a spirit that separated him from the, his generation. You know, don't let the naysayers stop you pursuing God. Don't let what the world thinks determine your steps. Let God ordain your steps. Let God set your direction. Come on, he's got more for you than you could imagine. Do you know we serve a God who's more for us than we're for ourselves? Come on, some of you love yourselves. Too much. A little. Uh, but, uh, God's more for you than you're for yourself, and He's got an awesome plan and an awesome destiny. Come on, if you believe that, say Amen, Amen. How about standing to your feet right now? Thank you for listening to this message recorded at Equipus Church, Dunedin. We pray it blessed you. For more information, please visit equippuschurch.com.